Hello, and welcome back to Idiots Alphabet Soup. We're back. It's us. We're the idiots. We've memorized four chapters of the verse of Proverbs of the Book of Proverbs so far. Yes. That's um what is 33 plus 35 plus 22 plus 27? Okay, well, 33 plus 22 is 55 plus 35 is 90 plus 27 is 117. Okay, so we've memorized 117 verses so far. Yeah, look at us yeah. go. We, look at us go. I think the last time we were here, we only had two memorized, maybe. Two chapters, not two verses, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> two chapters, yeah. Yeah. We've been, I feel like we've been doing pretty good. Um, uh, it's generally like a, roughly a chapter every 10 days-ish. Um, yeah, so we'd almost finished out four chapters by the end of January. Um, and then I messed yep. up a bunch when I was trying to quote them all and forgot like a bunch of verses in there, which is kind of ridiculous, but I did better the next time around. Yes. Because you can't you can't skip on a verse like we you don't know how many mistakes that's worth. Yeah. So I'm thinking today we'll talk a little bit about our lives and give it an update, and then we're gonna be talking about um, a highly controversial topic in the book world. I don't know if it actually is or not, but we'll be talking about um, book to movie adaptations and which ones we like and which ones we don't. And movie to book adaptations. Yes. Every once in a while, there's one of those. Yes. Um, Should we start with a life update? Yeah, let's start with a life update. What's been going on in your life, Catherine? Well, my grandma's sister died. It's not funny. If you've seen a previous, like, if you've seen one of our previous episodes, you know that anytime, like, something sad happens, I have the urge to laugh. Also, part of the reason this is amusing is that when we um, when we planned this podcast, it was like a week ago, and it was like the day after um, <laughs> the, you went to the funeral, and mm-hmm. like it was like, oh, what should we talk about? And you were like, death and funerals <laughs> and depression. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't think that's quite the vibe of the podcast, but I'll put it in the discussion guide. I forgot about it until... I opened it up today. Like, die. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, well, let me tell, tell us you. About- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if people are unfamiliar, 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 like Filipinos have like really weird names. So we always called this grandma. We called her Mama Nene. Mama Nene. If you're Filipino, um, and I had no idea what her real name was, but it turns out her real name's Hershelita. Um, I don't know where specifically, like, Nenet came from. I want to know where Hershelita came from. I (laughs) can't be called Nenet if your name is Hershelita. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's going to be, like, a stupid explanation. Because here's what Filipino parents, this is their thought process. It's like, Hershelita, because my mom, uh, uh, my favorite pregnancy craving was Hershey Kisses and the midwife's name would, was Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? I respect it. Or like the dad was a basketball player 
in high school. And so he names his son like LeBron James Sanchez or something. <laughs> like, unironically, I knew a LeBron James. <laughs> so funny. He's a tiny Asian kid. You heard it here uh, first, folks. LeBron James is a tiny Asian kid. <laughs> anyway, tell us about this funeral. Well, it was like kind of hilarious because her nickname was Nenet, but the priest was American and he kept saying Nene. And like the whole time, I just had that song stuck in my head, you know? It's like, like watch me whip. <laughs> And, like, it was so funny because, like, I wanted to laugh, but also at the same time, you know how, like, even if you don't know the person very well, um, uh, when you listen to their eulogies, you kind of just want to cry with them? Mm-hmm. Like, that was me. So I was, like, half amused and, like, half wanting to cry. <laughs> man. It was really funny. Oh, man, that is funny. Yeah. Her name was Nenet, but her grandkids called her Wowie. Don't ask me how yeah. or where that came from. You know, I feel like I feel like white people get made fun of a lot for like the weird names they call their grandparents. Like, oh yeah, this is these are my grandparents, um, Smoochums and Bebop. <laughs> but like, apparently, we're not the only ones. Yeah, wowie. Um, I used—I don't know if I've ever told you this. We used to call my grandmother. It's like still mama, and then just yo. <laughs> so it was like mama yo. <laughs> so instead of yo yo ma, it was mama yo. Yeah, mama yo. I love that, man. Okay, when you're a grandparent, what do you want your grandkids to call you? Maybe Ting. Like Mama Ting. Mama Ting. Isn't that cute? That is cute. Because, like, Mama Kang sounds weird. Yeah. Um, For context, Ting is, like, my Filipino nickname. And also Kang. But I think Ting goes better. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, just, like, a cute little Asian grandma with her predominantly white grandkids, presumably, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, man. I think... Honestly, I feel like I just want to be called grandma. Like, here's the, here's my theory. I feel not like mummers. I read this. Not mummers. <laughs> not mumsy. <laughs> um, here's my theory, though. Muzzers. <laughs> oh, man. Um, is my it? theory. My theory is, and I feel like I saw this on Instagram one time, or maybe it's on TikTok, and then I just decided to adopt it as my own, um, is that part of the reason that people, like grandparents, um, who are, they're like, oh, I need to decide my grandparent name, and I need it to be something that's not just, like, grandma, um, yeah. is because I feel like people feel like they're old when they're getting called a grandma. And I think that, you know what, maybe it's okay to be old. And so I want to be called just grandma. Grandma Jenny. Grandma Jenny and Mama Ting. <laughs> it's great. I don't think grandparents are in any position of power when it comes to what they're called at all. No, no, no. It goes, all that power is in your first grandchild. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you have like a little bit. Like, I think if you go into it being like, I want my grandchild to call me Nana. It's like your kid can pronounce Nana. But I know this woman. Uh huh. Um, I think she, I think she might be passed away now. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, you're so right about this because I think she wanted to just go by like grandma. Yeah. And her first grandkid couldn't say that, and he called her Gongi. <laughs> and so she was referred to as Gongi for the rest of her life. Yeah, because here's what I'm thinking is like Mama Nene, her first grandkid grandkid called her Wawi, and that stuck for like sixty years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then my grandma, who's her real name's Thelma, and my my oldest cousin called her Mama Yo, and that just never stopped. I got an, another aunt, her real name's Glazelda, and her first grandkid called her Mama Ra. so like yeah it's all like people don't know how powerful the first grandkid is like they set all the rules what's okay what's not okay what to call our grandparents yeah when i get my first grandkid i'm gonna be like grandma say it grandma (laughs) please please have the ability to pronounce words normally (laughs) Uh, like what if i get stuck with like poopy or something (laughs) what is the worst like grandma name you think that you would hate to be called something i mean something along the lines of like poopy would be pretty bad (laughs) or um like i don't know like gross (laughs) i'm imagining oh it has to be like like, i want to well, they're like, oh, I want to lean into my German heritage and call, like, the grandma, like, what is it, like, Bros Mama or something like that? Uh-huh. And this this poor, like, <laughs> one-year-old kid can't say that. They're just like, ooh, gross! That's gross! Hi, gross! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, G grandma-adjacent names. Like, what if they can't say grandma and they just call you, like, gonads or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh man they just call you like gondola yeah like what if they just call me top g <laughs> honestly like that would be kind of iconic <laughs> i know oh man um okay should we move on to- <laughs> i feel like we can stop our life update there because if i'm gonna be honest not much has happened in my life since we recorded last two weeks ago yeah to be clear nothing else has happened in the two weeks other than my grandma passing Mm -hmm. i think oh i was supposed to go on a ski trip but i didn't end up going because mama nanak passed yeah i um i played volleyball for the first time in like two months and got very sore but i had a good time yes yes very nice okay so Let's talk about what the actual topic of the podcast is today. Like, can you imagine someone like is coming to actually get some sort of update on their lives, and we're just like, when I'm a grandma, I should not be like to be like to be called poopy. poopy. Oh, okay, not poopy. so. Book to movie adaptations. There's been a, a lot of them. Um, and so boring, boring. Um, 
maybe I should just start with this. What is your favorite book to movie adaptation? My favorite book to movie adaptation. Um, I got a couple. Okay. Number one, Harry Potter. Oh, right. Yeah. Number two, Lord of the Rings. That was going to be my number one. <laughs> number three, kind of a niche choice, but um, Mr. Benedict's Secrets. What is it? Uh, the Mysterious Benedict Society. Yeah, the Mysterious Benedict Society. If you haven't seen it, um, go watch it on Disney+. Plus. It's really good. So mine are probably, well, Lord of the Rings is my number one, but that's partially okay. just because like, I really love the Lord of the Rings movies. I think I would like them even if they weren't um, book to movie adaptations. I also, um, the Little Little Women movie, I thought was a very good book to movie adaptation. And, you know, for my third one, we're going to talk about it later. And it's kind of a dumb movie. But uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic was like one of my favorite movies for a very long time and Mm -hmm. it holds a special place in my heart. So I'm going to put that one on the list. Nice. I love um, Confessions of a Shopaholic, especially the part where she like lied on her resume and said she spoke fluent Finnish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Such a random detail. Um, And then in the end, she like actually learns Finnish. Yeah. Incredible. really good. Also, the guy who is like the main romantic interest mm-hmm. it was also the main guy in Ella Enchanted, so yes. he has a special place in my heart. Yeah, he uh, he does he does good. At Which is also does. another book to movie adaptation, but we're not yes. going to be talking about that yet. Yeah, not yet. Um, yeah, I you need to watch Little Women at some point, Catherine, because it's 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 a good movie. True. I haven't read the book since I was like in the sixth grade, so I don't remember anything other than like one of the girls dying. Yeah, I mean that that is a part of the book. Um, yeah, I feel like what I like about Little Women is that it doesn't structure this like it stays fairly true to the book, but doesn't like doesn't structure things in the in the same way as a book. And so in a way, it feels like it flows better as a movie. Mm. Um. But yeah, anyway, those are some of our favorites. Yeah. So what makes Harry Potter one of your favorite book to movie adaptations, Catherine? To be honest, like, I'm not sure if it's, you know what? No, that's a lie. It's a, they're great movies by themselves, first of all. And I think they really tried hard to make it a, a, a series of films that grows up with its audience. Yeah, and so I remember um, being really small and, like, going to the movies and watching Harry Potter, and it was, like, so great. And, like, um, obviously, like, the production quality was really good. And also, at the same time, I think they stayed true to the story. Um, Obviously, they couldn't add all the details, but it was Mm -hmm. enough to understand what was going on. And I appreciated that. Nice. So cool. Like, you were part of a phenomenon. Like, everybody went to see the new Harry Potter. It was a thing. Yeah. Do you think Do you think you'd have liked them as much? It, or they would be as high on your list if it was something that you had just started in adulthood and hadn't, like, grown up with? No. 
Yeah. I think what was exciting about reading Harry Potter as young as I was was that I thought there was like a tiny chance that when I turned 11 that they would send me a letter. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, because I remember like, so I read Harry Potter for the first time like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I definitely, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, like this is decent but you read it and you're like this is definitely for kids especially the first few books and like the first couple movies mm-hmm. uh, it definitely does get much darker right around um uh, fourth your, one your favorite one yeah the fourth yeah. one yeah. yeah it's like honestly embarrassing how much i know about harry potter it's kind of insane you do a really good job at hiding it though because i remember um being in the <laughs> office and starting to talk about harry potter because i was reading it and you were uh-huh. like i like i like harry potter um my favorite book is the fourth one and you just like casually like literally every time i brought up harry potter you'd be like my favorite book is goblet of fire and that's like all you would say <laughs> except one time you were like my favorite harry potter quote is when dumbledore says um and you quoted that thing about like it's of it course is it's happening in your life. head who says that's yeah. not real <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, just because it's so embarrassing. It's like how if you're a normal person, you don't want to be known as like a Swifty. Mm. It's like I don't want to be. I don't know if everyone would love <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Sorry for the Swifties listening. But like, I think you all are kind of a little cray cray. Um, no offense, because all the Potterheads seem a little cray cray too. I don't know. Harry Potter just has a special place in my heart. Why do you like The Lord of the Rings, Jenny? Um, I mean, it may also be the just like it has a special place in my heart thing. First of all, though, I feel like it's very like it's a very beautiful film. What can I say? <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's really it's beautiful. It has like a very compelling story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, so those things are really great. Like, I feel like it's just an enjoyable movie on its own. Yeah. But then also, it was, I found it to be in my life a way to connect to different people. It was the type of thing, like, you don't, you don't watch The Lord of the Rings on your own, or like, not very often. It's like, I would watch it with my siblings, or like, um, I would watch it with groups of friends. Like, this is a, mm-hmm. a thing that we, we, you do consistently it's like okay um we want to like we want to get together and like watch one lord of the rings and it's like you get the same group of people together on three separate occasions to watch the three different lord of the rings movies and it's i feel like it's it's good like it's good and it's good for bringing people together and so like it's an enjoyable movie and then also like i associate it with these good times with friends and family nice yeah Okay, so when it comes to, like, book-to-movie adaptations in general, we, you and I decided we divided them into four categories. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, okay, it's like a Punnett square almost. <laughs> like, you're, you got a good book and a good movie. You got a good book but a worse movie. You've got a good movie and a worse book. Which, that's like, I feel like that's kind of a rare category. Uh-huh. But we have some theories. We develop some theories about what's going on there. And then ones where the movie and book are just both not good. Okay, perfect. Okay. Um, so I propose we first talk about when the book is good 
there's obviously like this divide where sometimes you have a great book and you get a great movie out of it. And sometimes you have a great book and you get a, a very poor movie out of it. Yes. So what do you think is the deciding factor there? Or like, what are some examples there? I think this isn't like a guarantee that the movie's going to turn out really well, but author input is like mm. a big thing. Like, I know um, for the Harry Potter books, like, J.K. Rowling would, like, talk to each of the actors. And, like, spoilers, like, Snape is actually a good girl. I mean, good guy after all. Um, But, like, um, so the actor that's played Snape knew that because Mm -hmm. J.K. Rowling told him even before she, like, published the book. Yeah. That revealed that he was a good guy. Um, and another, like, good book-to-movie adaptation is Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm. And the guy who wrote it, like, directed it or, like, wrote the screenplay for the movie. Yeah. Whereas in the original Percy Jackson movie, which we have on here listed under good book, worst movie, mm-hmm. um, in that case, like, I remember Rick Riordan was pretty upset, right? Because he didn't get a lot of say in it. Yeah. Although there there should be an asterisk there, maybe, because there's a new Disney Plus series that's out now. Um, it's like the Percy Jackson series. And mm-hmm. there have been like some mixed reviews on it. As like going in, everyone was so excited. They were like, yeah, Rick Riordan's gonna be involved. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be so good. And like I've watched some of it, and it doesn't feel like as egregiously bad as the first Percy Jackson movie felt, mm-hmm. but it does feel like very mid. Yeah. The only reason why I liked the original Percy Jackson mo- movies was because number one, I read, I watched the movie before I read the book. Mm. And number two, I think Logan Lerman is V handsome. <laughs> I do feel like Logan Lerman was the people's Percy Jackson. <laughs> you know what other movie um i'm gonna include some it's not on our list but it should be where the book is like pretty good uh-huh maybe maybe there's some disagreement there but like the movie was so bad is aragon oh my gosh aragon was the worst and because here's the thing is i watched the aragon movie before i read the book yes and i was like Wow, this is, like, such a fun story. I love this. And, like, Aragon Girl, is so handsome. And then I read, I read... I watched the movie before I read the book. Yeah, okay, and then I read the book, and I was like, wow, the movie was so bad. This book is amazing. Yeah, the... The movie's good if you know nothing. Yeah. But, like, I could never really watch the movie again after that. It was kind of corny after, like... Yeah, it was, like, corny, and they, like, changed a lot about it and, like, completely eliminated some characters. There were no dwarves, yeah. I feel like they didn't didn't do anything for the longevity of the movie series because they, like, cut out characters that would be extremely important later on. But, yeah, it was... Oh, that movie was so bad in comparison. Like, here's the thing about the Aragon books. It's, like, I don't necessarily think they're great books. Like, I think if you're, if you're, like, a 15-year-old, if you're, like, 15, you're, like, yeah, this is really, like, yeah. this is awesome. They're, like, fun I to think, read, entertaining. I think it's a, fifth, it's a, 
a 15-year-old book writing a book for 15-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Very much how it was. Yeah. Um, But also, like, I feel like as though there is a lot of content there that you could turn into, like, a pretty good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, If you made good choices about, like, how to improve the story. I I feel like the people who made the Aragon movie took... Um, they took creative liberties, but they all just made the story worse. Yeah. Okay. You know what's a good book-to-movie adaptation? Hmm. Holes. You ever read that? I have read the book. I never watched the movie, but I do remember reading something about how, like, basically the only thing that changed from the book to the movie is that they, like, didn't make all the- didn't make the one kid fat in the beginning because they didn't- it was he was like a kid actor and it's kind of cruel to make a kid actor like lose that much weight for a role. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I should watch it. I was going to reread Holes for Brighter Winter and then um I couldn't find it at the library and so I read a different book instead. You know what? I don't know. We can cut this out if you don't want to talk about it. But like you know what is a good book to movie adaptation? What? Is Prince of Egypt. <laughs> Okay, this can be. This is like one of our one of our more zany ones, but I I agree on that. I think it's a good book to movie adaptation if you go into the story not expecting it to be like knowing that it's not scripture. We, yeah, we were ta- we were talking it's not about scripture. This. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not scripture. It's just like a an interpretation of scripture. Maybe okay. Here's here's an idea. Is maybe like what you need to have a good book to movie adaptation mm-hmm. is an extreme amount of respect for the original work. Yes. Because like, okay. One of the things I think of here is Lord of the Rings versus the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Because I have, okay. I never actually finished the Lord of the Rings series. Admittedly. I, n- I only made it halfway through the third book. Um, but I did read The Hobbit and most of the Lord of the Rings series. And I remember watching the Lord of the Rings movies. It felt like, okay, they definitely cut stuff out because, like, Tolkien was rambly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story, the heart of the story felt very similar. Um, and it felt like it, it felt like a good and respectful homage to the original book. Right. You got to keep the soul of the book. You got to keep the soul of the book. But The Hobbit. Okay, I didn't watch all the Hobbit movies. I watched the first one and I was like, I cannot stand this. Because no, the thing it was is, a the clear Hobbit, cash grab. <laughs> it was like a clear cash grab. Like the original, the Hobbit book is, I think, even more well set up to be a movie than the Lord of the Rings books are. Like mm-hmm. Tolkien is much more straightforward, less rambly. Like the, the story is more clear cut. Yeah. And somehow they were like, oh no, we got to turn it into three movies and make it this like abomination that is a great disrespect to J.R.R. Tolkien himself. Yeah, and there were, like, some weird subplots, like Keely falling in love with the elf girly, and, oh, like, why yeah. was Legolas there for some reason? Uh, the, the scene that, like, made me want to rip my eyelashes out in the first movie was when they had, like, the, the dwarves were trying to escape out of the elf prison, Mm-hmm. And they like were riding barrels down the river or something, mm-hmm. and like one of them is like surfing on the barrel, and I don't remember. I was just like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel yeah. like what it felt like got lost between the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit is like a respect for the original work. Hmm. Totally. 
Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And th- that's like good if the book was good. Mm-hmm. And that, which leads leads us to another case. Like, what if the book was bad, but the movie was so much better? Yes, because there are some cases like that. Yes. Uh, like Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries, yes. The book is, like, not great. I mean, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, Meg Cabot. I yeah. feel like Meg Cabot knows her audience. And, like, if you're a 12-year-old girl, girl and you read The Princess Diaries, you might be like, yeah, I like it. But the movie Princess Diaries is so good. Yeah. And, like, it, it holds up in a way that the book does not. Yeah, it checked all of the, like, good high school beats, right? Like, Mm -hmm. ugly girl becomes beautiful, becomes a princess, boys, and, like, some romantic drama, and she ends up with her best friend's brother. Like, it just hits all the good beats, you know? Yeah. Or, um... I mentioned this earlier as one of my favorite book-to-movie adaptations, Confessions of a Shopaholic. I tried reading the book one time, and I couldn't even finish it. I was like, this is so bad. But the movie is so fun and, like, so good. I Another one that I think was really good was Devil Wears Prada. Okay, I have not read the book Devil Wears Prada, but I do like the movie Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, the movie Devil Wears Prada, it's like... Of course, like, it makes so much sense for it to be a movie because it's all about, like, fashion or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to be looking at something. Yeah. Um, in, <laughs> in the book, it was just, like, this sad, depressing character who was, like, cynical about everything who was working for, like, a barracuda. Like, that was the book. And it was kind of, like, dry and, like, ugh, I'm living in a cutthroat world kind of thing. <laughs> and it was boring yeah okay so that leads to a theory because i i'm noticing a common thread between the three books we just mentioned which is that like they're all like rom-coms or like that sort of style of movie yes so is and like i would say Okay, like I said, I didn't read The Devil Wears Prada, but definitely mm-hmm. for The Princess Diaries and Confessions of a Shopaholic, like, the movie was very different. The movie was very different from the book. But, mm-hmm. like, the movie was actually good and the book was bad. Yes. So maybe when it comes to rom-coms, the key is, like, you read the book and you find that, like, kernel on the inside of what makes it good mm-hmm. and you discard everything else. And then you turn it into a good movie. Yes. Because you know who watches movies over and over again? Who? Women. And rom-coms. Yes. It's like the man superhero movie, you know? Yes. I do love a good rom-com rewatch. I'm trying to think if there's like any book that I know that would break that theory. But I can't think of any. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, there's one that you and I kind of disagreed on that maybe falls mm-hmm. into the sort of rom-com category, although it's maybe towards a slightly younger audience, which is Ella Enchanted. I prefer the book to the movie, and you prefer the movie to the book. Well, it's just because I watched... Well, I watched the movie first, and I have this thing where, like, everything in this book is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
man. Okay, so here's my question then. We have um, the movie She's the Man. <laughs> Is that better than Twelfth Night? Well, okay. There's like these special cases where you completely abandon the soul of the book and make it your own. But sometimes mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. Like, like, like she's the man. Like Clueless, yeah. But then also, Emma, I would say, is also a great book. Yeah, because like, sometimes you get these sort of wild adaptations. Like, going from Emma to Clueless or Twelfth Night to She's the Man. Um, where like, you could argue that a lot was lost. Because maybe this goes against our theory that like, um, a great respect for the original work is needed because a lot of it, a lot is lost in some of those adaptations. But we're good. Okay, what were we gonna say? Right. So I think you need a great respect for the book and the original work if you have like a fan base that you're trying to woo. Yes. Nobody's trying. Clueless was not trying to woo. The Pride and Prejudice, or the 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 Jane Austen fan base, right? And like, nobody would like come out and be like, "I'm a Princess Diaries fan." Like, I love like that wasn't a thing, you know? Yes. So like, um, yeah. But like, people who love Lord of the Rings would be very upset if Peter Jackson came out with a trash Lord of the Rings movie. Exactly. And then here's like my other thing. Is like when you, when you just take like these ideas from a book where you're like, that's the it factor. I'm going to put it in a movie Mm -hmm. and like just discard everything else. Like for example, Princess Diaries. And another um, example I can think of is, have you ever read World War Z? No. And I've also never watched the movie. Okay. Both the book and the movie are like amazing, but they have literally nothing in common other than the fact that like zo- there's a zombie apocalypse and the main character is a family man <laughs> but they took the it factor and just put it in like princess diaries the it factor is ordinary girl figures out she's a princess let me put that in my movie you know yes yeah yes yeah. she wasn't even it wasn't even set in the same place like i think princess diaries the book was set in new york and yeah. Princess Diaries, the movie, was in San Francisco. Like, it doesn't matter. You just need that little... That, like, it plot factor. point. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's accurate. All right. So then what about the cases where the movie and the book are both bad? Like, you go in with a bad book and you don't come out with a bad movie. I'm sorry, you do come out with a bad movie. You don't come out with a good movie. Um, okay. An example, go for it. Twilight. Yes. Is that what you're going to talk about? I was, I was going to say either that or Divergent because those are the two that we have on our list. Yes. I, you have never read Twilight. No. Trust me, it sucks. I made you watch the Twilight movie and please confirm that it sucks. I can confirm it sucks. Hang on, spider monkey. (laughs) You're my own personal brand of heroin, Bella. (laughs) This is the skin of a killer, Bella. It's the skin of a killer. (laughs) 
this is the spirit of a killer, Bella. Such a bad movie. Say but then, it out loud. Oh, man. But here's the theory. I mean, based off of what we said before about, like, how you can go from a bad book to a good movie, mm-hmm. like, these, the Twilight books had such a loyal fan base that, yes. like, you couldn't take all the cringe things out of Twilight and put them into a movie and make it actually good because you needed all those things to appeal to the fan base. Right. This is the case where they stayed, they kept the soul of the book and was respectful of the book. The reason why the movie is bad is because the source material is bad. Yes. But it did really well because they were true to the book and a lot of teenage girls were into the book. Yes. And I think the same with the other one I had down here is the Divergent series. Like, the Divergent series? Not great books. Like, um, it, yeah. it, it was made by a board... Um, college writer on spring break and it shows <laughs> yeah um and like but it had a, it had a fan base and like you couldn't go and change all of the parts of it because the fan base would be like why do you do this and this and this and this although i okay i never actually watched the third movie but i do remember watching the trailer and thinking that doesn't look much like the book so maybe on the third one they were like crap we got a bad series on our hands. We got alive and alive. Oh, up. yeah. Well, they didn't even get to the fourth movie. They were supposed to split the third book into two parts. Yeah. So and they, they ran split- out of funding. Yeah, they split the third one up. And then they were like, man, everybody hates this. <laughs> they just oh, never finished man. it. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. So I have another theory here. And this is maybe a little harsh because I've never actually read this book, but you have. So maybe you can tell me. you can tell me if this is accurate or not. Yes. My theory is that um, there are, so there are also books in the world right now, if they got turned into movies, would be bad movies because they have too loyal of a fan base to change a lot about the book. Oh my gosh. Are we going to talk about my new favorite book? Yes, well, not we my are. new favorite book, but. <laughs> Fourth Wing is the one Fourth I was going to bring up. Okay. Yeah. Categorically, bad book. Bad book. Like, the main character is. Oh, I'm so blonde and beautiful and have light eyes and they make fun of me for it. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. And like, oh, the son of my mother's arch nemesis is making goo-goo eyes at me and I am so shy. He's going to kill me, but like, actually, he's in love with me. I'm sorry if you haven't read The Fourth Wing, but it is an awful book. Not to say that I didn't finish it in one day because I did. <laughs> it was it was compelling because all of the things that I wanted to happen happened instant gratification oh they're beating me up in class next class I beat them up like so good oh my gosh um what was the point of this? the point <laughs> of sorry. this is do you think it's true that if they turn the fourth wing into, the, into a movie it would have to be a bad movie oh yeah it's gonna be a bad movie but we're watching it oh yeah so you know for sure like, yeah. it's going to be a bad movie. <laughs> it's going to be a bad movie. But, like, I can see why all the girls are into it. Especially the teenage girl. hmm Yeah, I still have not read it yet. It's on my it's on my TBR. But Yeah, I wouldn't call it high literature. But it's like you're watching a show. It's like you're watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Yeah. It's the bad reality guilty pleasure tv of books yeah 
You know what I will say about books like Fourth Wing? I'll, I'll give them their flowers in this regard. I think they're good for getting people into reading that have, like, have not read in a while. Yes. Like, if you're the type of person who, like, oh, I read a lot as a kid, but I just haven't read a lot recently, read recently. I think books like Fourth Wing, like... A Court um, of Thorn and Roses. Yeah, like the Akatar books, like Colleen Hoover. Like, are they good books? No. I don't think. I shouldn't speak too soon because I haven't, I haven't read them. Maybe I should read them and then I'll speak. Um, but at least they're reading. But at least they're reading. And, like, I think... Like, I do think it's important that as... Or it's, it's good if as you read, you work to read stuff that's, like, more complex and more, like, diverse. Um, but at least you're reading. And, like, you're getting off your screen for a bit, you know? Absolutely. Like, you know, sometimes you got, like, the goal is to be entertained. Mm Mm-hmm. And best believe that I was having the time of my life reading this book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I was like, yes, get more powerful. Get all those dragons, girly. You can do it. Like, it was, it is, like, really interesting how the one book unleashes a teenage girl phenomenon mm-hmm. you know like harry potter opened like witches and wizards in a school that trope and like twilight opened up the uh my boyfriend is a sec- is secretly a magical creature trope <laughs> and like the hunger games opened the we live in a dystopian society and everyone is a number and or a color and or part of a faction trope. Yes. Oh, my word. Although, yeah, it's interesting because, like, Hunger Games was definitely not the first one to do that or to do that sort of thing. Like, I would argue that, like, The Giver was sort of the precursor to that idea. But the Hunger Games for sure opened the floodgates. Yes. Oh, you know what I was going to say is... There is the set of, like, teen fantasy books that I read at one point that I feel like should, like, I'm almost surprised it's, like, it never had its popular moment. Um, what? Okay, I'm trying to remember. Okay, so it, the the first book was called Graceling, and that one was, like, pretty mid, actually. Wait, I and think then the I read one, that book. The second one was called Bitter Blue. And the third one was, like, something having to do with fire. It might have just been called fire. I don't remember. Um, But, okay, like I said, first book, kind of mid. It was one of those, like, oh, I'm a girl, and I'm such a powerful, like, killer and assassin. Like, look at me. (laughs) And, like, there's this guy that I hate, but he's actually in love with me. It was a lot more like that. Um, Uh But, like, you know, entertaining, good TV reading. But the second book... That one, like, I still think about that one regularly. And I saw it at the bookstore yesterday, which might be why it's on my mind, too. Um, Because, like, I have never hated a villain so viscerally as I did in that book. Mm. Like, the villain, he was dead already. Yeah. Uh, So, like, yeah, it wasn't like you had to go out and fight him, but, like, the villain that died in the first book, all the repercussions of what he had done had to be dealt with in the second book. Interesting. And that was when you realized like how evil of a evil of a guy this guy was. <laughs> and um 
you know, I should actually read that book again to see if it holds up because I might, like, I was, like, 18 when I read it. But, um, yeah. I think... I would I would watch a movie of those books and like I think it can be done well because here's the thing is I don't feel like those books have a super insanely loyal following so I think right. you could take them kick out all the bad stuff and like make them actually good right why do you think it's always like the teen like what is the teenage girl equivalent for like boys you know yeah because i think like at the core of all of these teenage girl books is a girl in a love triangle with like two hot guys that does seem to be that does seem to be a popular thing i do Mm -hmm. also think like i would add in there too like not just a girl in a love triangle with two hot guys but like a like a strong independent fights for herself girl in a love triangle with two guys Yes, yeah. It's like she doesn't need totally. any guy, but she can have whichever one she wants. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I do not know what the teenage boy equivalent is. I don't know, like, like, what the teenage boys are reading. Is it, like, uh, graphic novels? Maybe. Maybe it's, like, anime? Maybe it's anime. I don't know. Teenage boys, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, teenage In my head, like... The only thing that fills a teenage boy's head is, like, sports and, like, girls. And maybe, like, blood and guts. And maybe, like, blood and guts and, like, farts. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is why I can't, um, like, you know how some authors, they have the ability to, like, write from anybody's perspective? Like, I think the perspective that I do not feel capable of writing from is like the teenage boy perspective. <laughs> I have no like, idea. Even what goes a man's on perspective, like I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I could so write from like a teenage girl's perspective or like an old woman's perspective. Or I feel like I could even write from like an old man's perspective if I had to. Maybe. Um, but like teenage boys, no clue what goes on up there. Okay, so we mentioned at the beginning that, like, sometimes movies get turned into books. Um, which, is there, do we have more than just one example for that? Um, I don't, I think that's, that's it. Okay. Well, the one example we have for that is Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, I never actually saw the movie, though. So, like, what were your thoughts on the movie, Catherine? Well, the movie was really good, but, like, there were a lot of things where you just go, huh, I don't know where that, why that happened or, like, how that is. And sometimes, like, the pace of the movie is so quick that you just kind of go with what's going on. Like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a, there's a man. Um, There's a cannibal man with his eyes on his hands. Okay. And you just don't question, like, where that's from or, like, why he's there. (laughs) Um, But I think, like, Pan's Labyrinth, the movie, popped off so much and everybody loved it that it inspired Guillermo del Toro to write a book with this famous children's author, Cornelia Funka. Cornelia Funka. Um, Yeah, it's... I feel like the... The book there was able to, like, flesh out a lot of things 
movie as well because these things that you're mentioning that you're just sort of accepted like they were a bit more well fleshed out in the book mm-hmm. which makes me wonder okay how fun would it be if you took some of these like <laughs> these movies that came from like bad books and then you flushed them out into a better book <laughs> like i don't know like sometimes you get a rotten apple and you open it up and it's like an extra rotten apple inside, you know? That's true, yeah. Like, um, one example I can think of is just like Twilight. Like, you got the four books. Mm-hmm. And then she writes um, another book in, and it's called like The Diary of Brie Tanner, which is just the diary of this one side character in the book. And it made a ton of money. And then woman wrote another book um wait um i'm gonna look it up right now okay and then woman writes another book called midnight sun and it's basically twilight in edward's perspective and then woman writes another book it's called life and death twilight reimagined and it's twilight but bella is a boy and edward is a girl and it's like you can't take this terrible premise um of like a creepy vampire boyfriend and some like cringy girl and mm-hmm. make it good in the way that you could take the good premise of like your dad dies and you find out you're actually a princess right like you flesh out a good book you get a better thing if you flesh out something bad it's just gonna be an even worse thing i feel yeah but, like, there are all these cash grabs. I mean, like, everyone, like, nobody is immune to it. Like, Rick Riordan does it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he has all these extra, like, Camp Half-Blood stories. <laughs> okay, and so then there's, like, another unique case here is that sometimes you have movies and then they are readapted into other movies. <laughs> right. For example, Snow White was a Grimm's Brothers story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Became like a 1930s Disney cartoon. Mm-hmm. And then they readapted that to be like a live action yeah. movie. Although that hasn't come out yet. That hasn't well, come like, out. Like it happened with Cinderella. Um, it happened with... Beauty um, and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. It happened with... Uh, what is that? With Aurora... Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. Is that Sleeping Beauty? Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, okay. (laughs) The the newer movie was called Maleficent, though, because that's the name of the... Oh, right, right, right. And then there's The Little Mermaid. Yes. And The Lion King. And The Lion King. I think it's safe to say that, like, the big uh, perpetrator here is Disney. (laughs) Yeah. And The Jungle Book true oh my gosh like we have to talk about the new book to movie out of um because like um what do you call it like copyright and like trademarks only last a certain amount of years right so disney's been remaking their movies so they can keep that copyright yes but also they have like winnie the pooh right yes and recently, the trademark for, like, the Winnie the Pooh books have expired. And so, 
they came out with a Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Where not Disney though. Somebody not else. Disney. <laughs> but where Christopher <laughs> Robin like never went back to the hundred acre wood and they just starved and had to resort to eating each other. <laughs> That's insane. And it was like oh, so awful and campy, but like it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't know what category that would be, but I just think it's in the ridiculous let's not talk about it category. <laughs> oh man. All right, should we do our final bit? Sure. All right. So we've been talking a lot about book to movie adaptations and which ones are good and which ones are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I propose for our final bit. Actually, you propose this idea, but now I'm proposing it to the podcast. <laughs> credit where credit is due. Um, <laughs> um, what books that we've talked about? Yeah, we need to come up with, with books that we've talked about on our podcast previously that we think would make good movies or and if like good books that we think would make good movies if they're done right and where you think the pitfalls could be okay should we start with Clara and the sun let's start with Clara and the sun yeah because i think that would be i think that could make a really excellent movie right the pitfall for Clara and the sun is that they go way too like weird with it yes right yeah i think that yeah, I think the challenge would be to like part of the part of what makes that book really fascinating is that you're seeing everything from Clara's perspective and like Clara's very logical thought process. Mhm. I feel like trying to get that the heart of that to a movie could be difficult. But if yeah. you can do that, I think you could make a really excellent movie. Also, I think they're going to make Clara older and make it more, like, sexual. Ooh. Yeah, that would be no... And I don't like that. I hope they don't do... They wouldn't do that. Me too. Yeah. Literally, we're talking about it like they're actually going to do I know. <laughs> also, like, this grand they, like, Hollywood is going to do this to our Clara. <laughs> but um, don't you think they would make her older and make her do sexual things? I think they, I don't know if they would make her do sexual things. I do think they'd probably make her older, though, for the sake of not having to deal with child actors. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I think, like, I think Claire and the Sun is one that, like, a good director could make it really good. And mm-hmm. a bad director could, like, make it really bad. <laughs> is what I think. Like, I think, I don't think it's guaranteed a good, to be a good movie. But yeah. I think it could be a really good movie. All right. What about um, I think um Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary would make a really good one. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Why? Um, well, I think it's a really it's a really compelling story. And it's not like it's, it is like somewhat in the guy's head because he's like it's like from his perspective, but I also feel like it's a story that has a lot of action and excitement in it, and there's like Things that happen. I think sometimes stories that are hard to turn into books are where a lot of the, um, like, the story is internal. But I feel like in this one, a lot of the story is external, which makes it good. And it's just, like, a really cool premise. 
Yeah, and it's set in space, and, like, a lot of the things are very visual. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I think it wouldn't be that difficult to make it into a really good movie. Yeah, I agree. At least Uh, as good as The Martian. Yeah, especially because, like, CGI is... I feel like more advanced now than it's ever been. You know, actually, I think that's where the pitfall would be for this movie is if they did like bad CGI, it would it would like ruin it. Yeah. Um, But if it's good CGI, then I think it could be really excellent. Yes. Um, Yeah. And then third is the cat who saved books. Yes. I think you have to go, like, the animated route for that. Oh, yeah. And, like, not just animated, but, like, in the sort of um, Studio Ghibli. Ghibli? Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? Ghibli. Ghibli? Ghibli. <laughs> in the sort of Studio Ghibli style. Like, I think, I think that is really conducive to these stories that, like, are a little weird, a little wacky. Um, right. But very, like, heartfelt. Like, a good killer soundtrack, some nostalgia, feelings of nostalgia kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think Studio Ghibli would do really good. Which, we didn't talk about, like, one of the good one, good, like, good book, good movie, but they completely did not keep the soul of the book, which is Howl's Moving Castle. Oh my word, you are so right. Because in, yeah, that was, like, a big thing in... uh, the first one is like you have to keep this, when we're talking about good books, good movies, is that like a lot of them mm-hmm. were very similar to the books, but also very good. But you're mm-hmm. so right. Howl's Moving Castle was a, a great movie and a great book, but they are very different. They are so different. But then it's like the thing, right? Of like they took the plot point, which is Yeah. Nobody becomes old and falls in love with a wizard. And then they just and- made it their own. They made it their own. And also, uh, Howl's Moving Castle did not have this, like, loyal, huge fan base, the fan base that they were trying to sell to. Exactly. Ooh. Ooh. Man. Oh, my gosh. Like, you should write a textbook about media. (laughs) So we should write a textbook about media. Look at us with our podcast with 20 listeners. We know about media. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, I'm going to add one in here that we didn't talk about. Do you know what book I think would not make a great movie? What? Is, um, but it was a great book, is Covenant of Water. And my reason for that is, is that it covers such a long span of time and so many moving storylines that it, it would have to be really- a TV show. I think, yeah, I think it would make it a good TV show, but, like, yeah, not a good movie. For sure. Also, like, it's so hard to, like, make media about, like, touchy topics like slavery and colonization these days. <laughs> True. It's like, you're not going to please everybody. You're never going to please people. Mm-hmm. If you, like, make a, a movie about that. Like, you just can't. Yeah um but yeah yeah all right (laughs) (laughs) all right that's a great way to end the podcast 
<laughs> we started with death and we ended with slavery and colonization. <laughs> it's all connected. Okay. This has been Idiot's Alphabet Soup Baboosh. Baboosh.